Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Sarah Whitmire, the news director of WFIU and WTIU. And today we're going to spend an hour talking with Joe Bolte-Taylor, brain scientist, author, motivational speaker, and general positive life force, (laughs) the way I like to describe her. And Joe Lamantia, who's a collaborative art uh, project leader who's on Jill's advisory board. We're going to be talking about a couple of projects coming up. Um, if you want to join the conversation, please join us at 812-855-0811 or 877-285-9348 or go to our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Well, Jill, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. All right. Jill's a friend of, friend of the show, I like to say. And, you know, we had her on here before Terry Gross had her, before Oprah had her. <laughs> You You did. That's right. You broke me into the world. That's right. You get all the So, and Joe, good good to see you here. Thank you. You know, Joe's a visual artist, so you know this is a little different medium for him. And Sarah, of course, good to have you along. Yeah, great to be here. Joe, we have to, you know, I think we always have to remind readers about your story because yeah. I think that's the the way that we probably should start. So the abbreviated version, you wrote a book about it. They can get the book, yeah. you know, My Stroke of Insight. But Okay. I grew up to study the brain because I have a brother diagnosed with the brain disorder, schizophrenia. And so I became fascinated with the brain at an early age. And so I was teaching and performing research at Harvard Medical School and woke up one morning and was experiencing a major hemorrhage in the left half of my brain. And in the course of four hours, I could not walk, talk, read, write, or recall any of my life. Through the eyes of a scientist, this was a really fascinating opportunity to observe firsthand my brain turning off circuit by circuit. And I was very fortunate that uh, I did recover completely. It took eight years for me to completely recover. And I wrote a book, My Stroke of Insight. And um, then the world found that. Then I gave a presentation on the the Internet uh, called the TED Talk at TED.com. And that went viral. And my life exploded. Mm -hmm. Oprah found out about it. I was named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World for 2008. And I got a great book deal. And Life's just been percolating for the last three years like a whirlwind, and it's been a great time. Mm -hmm. And there may be a movie. There's There's, a movie in the works. There's a movie in the works. The screenplay is almost finished. Um, Jodie Foster is currently online to play me. Um, uh, The producer is Ron Howard. Uh, so that's slated to happen and come out in 2012. And Jill's promise that uh, Jody will come in with her. And I'm, that is my hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to twist Ron her Howard. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now today we want to talk about, you know, your new project, the Jill Bolte Taylor Institute. and. Yeah. The, uh, and what goes along with that. So what do you have in mind? Well, I wanted to create a giving arm of my for-profit business. And so um, we've actually shifted the name from Institute to uh, Jill Bolte Taylor Brains. Um, I know, of course. And uh, But that way then they know who and they know exactly what. Um, and this is going to be um, an opportunity, a place for me to put some of my funds so that I can give them away in grant form or whatever form to either individuals or other not-for-profits in the community. Community, projects that are going to have to do with appreciation, education, awareness, prevention, protection, uh, health, body movement, anything that has to do with awareness of this beautiful organ. And of course, you know, I, I always talk about the beautiful brain. I think it's a beautiful thing. And um, and so the first big project that we're going to do, uh, if we can get all the sponsors, and we're almost there, we're almost there. We have 11 of 12 mm-hmm. uh, sponsors for 12 brains that we want to do the brain extravaganza downtown uh, and have brains, beautiful brains, uh, downtown, Bloomington. This is like a, a, a like cows on parade exactly. in Chicago. Or exactly. There are, there are many of these projects that have been done around the country. Right. And as I, 
I talked to Maya Michelson. I know she said from the city, she said she had done research on it, and she hadn't found a, a single organ that was on parade anywhere. Right. So. Nobody's done an organ that actually looks like an organ. Uh-huh. I will say in Chicago they did the heart, but it looked like the Valentine heart, not the organ of the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But 350 communities have done some sort of something on parade. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, brains. It's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, to me it's a, it's a natural. Yeah. In Cincinnati we did pigs yeah. because of Porkopolis. and. Just so people understand exactly what this will look like, can you talk a bit about this? I mean, in, in Cincinnati, we had pigs of all, you know, all colors. The designs were amazing. Maybe Joe can talk about that. Yeah. Since yeah. He's going to be helping on this project. <clears throat> well, uh, Jill and I are going to um, do the pilot or the prototype of this brain, and it'll be five feet tall, five feet long, and four feet wide, thereabouts. <clears throat> and. Um, so she and I will be working together at Stonebelt. Uh, we talked to Stonebelt, and we've done. I've done a number of projects there, and they're real excited to have us uh, host us there in, in a, a studio space to to do this. And um, we're going to. Uh, what's great about it is that, of course. Uh, it's going to have to really look like a brain, and I'm so glad that I'm working with Jill because she's going to keep me really on track with everything, and uh, we'll uh, we'll tweak it because all brains are different. And uh, once we get the brain prototype done, then we'll uh, mass produce it here in Indiana and have them as um, uh, fiberglass pieces so that the artists sponsors. We'll then take it at a certain point, sometime probably in January, to start creating their individual brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask about the material. I've seen some of these in places. I was in a Florida community that had sea turtles this year, and I was also in Aiken, South Carolina, and they have horses on parade. And it did seem like kind of a fiberglass. It, thing. Yeah, you can make things very large, and the weight. See, it's the weight's really the important, but the structural integrity is so important, and fiberglass meets both of those criteria. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they'll be bolted down or some way so that uh, they don't have legs and walk away. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> we don't want that to happen. Um, and... Um, yeah, and you can do a, you can bolt, you can do a lot, you can cut into fiberglass. You can uh, so the artist will have a lot of leeway in terms of um, being creative, mm-hmm. and it's just very exciting. Uh, we're, we're, now Jill's an artist too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should mention that she's got a shirt on with a brain you've des- you designed stained glass. Stained glass. Yeah, you know, stained and now glass. I'm playing with limestone. Oh. oh, my gosh. Don't get me going on that. <laughs> yeah. and, and I might also add that you've brought a brain with you today, although it's yes. not real. I mean, you often no. you yes. often bring, like, real brains with you. But yes. this one just looks a whole lot like my little pug, i got to say. <laughs> it's all the wrinkles. All it's, the wrinkles. It, yeah. yeah. Well, Joe needed – he asked for a good model of a brain so that, you know, we can get the correct shape. We want it to look like a brain. Um, but then, you know, when you, when you look at the shape of these things, they're going to be enormous. It will be the shape of a brain, but every brain's going to be painted uniquely or created uniquely by the artist. So they'll all look very different from one another, mm-hmm. and they'll probably be representative of different aspects of, of what we are, and hopefully the artists and the sponsors will have some communication about, you know, if it's a, a sponsor that's dealing with um, uh, chiropractic, then we can work with something like that. Or if it's about sleep, we can work with something like that. Mm-hmm. So what kind of reaction have you gotten? I know, you know, you spoke to our Rotary Club, the mm-hmm. Rotary Club, I was in attendance. I wrote a story about it. We had a lot of comments online, yeah. as we always do. <laughs> but what, what kind of reaction yeah. have people given you when they've seen you? Well, I, it's been excellent. You know, it seems to be the talk of the town. And it's, uh, you know, people, I think, pretty much love the idea or they hate the idea, which we expected. Uh, we have two hemispheres in our head. One is looking to naysay and one is looking to be supportive. And we're getting a lot of both. But, um, uh, but we're getting sponsors. And that's the important thing. And I love the comment on uh, on the HT where it said, if you don't like it, don't be a sponsor. And it's like, yeah, I think that pretty much sums <laughs> yeah. it up. Yeah. yeah you mentioned you have 11, and yes. that, but you needed 12. But 12. is that as many? No, we, we, can go, that. we can go as high as 18 as far as the city is concerned. They're thinking that we could really support 12 downtown and then six on campus. So we're thinking we could do easily uh, 18. 
But I think if if we had even more than that, I don't think that the city would complain. Yeah, so yeah. We, find a place for the. We, right. we always need a good brain around here. I know. You, you know? know, there's no shortage. Right. You know, I think you know this would be a good thing. Right. Our phone number is eight five five zero eight one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. WFIU.org slash Noon Edition is our web address. You have the uh, rare opportunity to sit here and talk with Joe Bolte-Taylor today and also the rare opportunity to talk with Joe Lamantia. So please uh, please give us a call. Um, going back to, you know, why you've decided to do, you know, the Joe Bolte-Taylor brains as opposed to institute. Right. Um, the the whole experience you went through has uh, clearly changed your life and your mm-hmm. life trajectory. Not just because all these people found out about you, but you think differently these days than I you do. did before. So I do. Talk about that a little. You bit. know, for me, I I when I lost my left brain, I lost my language centers. Part of language is my ability to say I am an individual. I am Jill Bolte Taylor. So that part of me went offline. So my ego, which was about me, 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 was gone. And in the absence of the me, I meld back into the bigger picture of the we. I am a part of a community. And as I lost the left brain and the details and the specifics and the ability to communicate with the external world, what I gained was this experience of being connected to my fellow man and to really all the energy of what we are as living beings. And it's this beautiful organ. Every ability we have, we have because there are cells inside of our brain that allow us that ability. So I can wiggle my finger because I have cells that perform that function. I can speak because I have cells that perform that function. To me, I walk away with this absolutely incredible appreciation of the organ and of the cells in there and they are, they, the abilities that they give me as a living human being to have the experience of my life. And so I'm just really all about honoring this thing and how can we create a healthier relationship with it so that our overall mental health is, is better in our society and, and how, just how can I use the time and the energy that I have and now my, the funds that I've received because of the movie or because of the books, how can I use this in a constructive and healthy way in my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So besides the Brains on Parade, which, yeah. of course, is a huge project to launch right. this thing, I mean, what, what other kinds of programs would you see happening? Well, I want to uh, – the reason why I'm starting a not-for-profit as a charitable organization is because I want the organization to be able to give funds to individuals for certain projects that are going on that have to do with um, something about the brain. Um, you know, I can see – Giving uh, funds to the school system in order to for them to be able to buy skeletons and models for their anatomy classes. Uh, I can see giving funds for um, IU students to be able to travel to uh, certain kinds of, of professional organizations. Uh, of course, I have a bias towards the brain and towards the basic anatomy of the body, and it's important to me to help nurture this field. There's a, already an incredible shortage of, of true anatomists in our society for teaching at medical schools. Um, so, and that's only going to progress more and more. So I can see creating, you know, and then and then it goes wide open because really ultimately so many different things have to do with the health and the well-being of the brain. But I want it to be an investment program, if you will. I want to be able to invest in a kid who's doing a science fair project about the brain, who needs some funds in order to get some resources um, or educational programming, things that can go further than just that child. How... How can I really stimulate the future? And what what are we doing? And how are we doing it mm-hmm. as it relates to the brain? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's going to be the next step. It's kind of wide open. It's wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that because that means it's it's going to be fun and interesting. And, you know, for me, it's like, well, what am I going to do after the movie comes, at, come, go, comes and goes? Uh, I live in this community. I love Bloomington. I can live anywhere on the planet. I choose Bloomington. I love it here. I love it here because of the people, the interesting people, the interesting things that we do here. Uh, I love our politics. You know, I think I think we're pretty cool here. So, so how can I really help bring what I the best of what I have mm-hmm. to the community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to go back to Joe and, and talk about the brain as an an art object because you know you've done so you've done so many big things and you might mention a few. I mean the the, the one of the more recent ones was at, at uh, Fairview School. Yes. That project that's right out front there and you've done all sorts of work with a lot of people on big public art Mm -hmm. projects 
How's the brain as a challenge for you? No different. No? <laughs> Not really. Um, I, I love projects that involve a lot of people. And um, I think what's interesting about the brain is that where you have a cat or a guitar or something like that, you have people who could just relate possibly to it a little. But the brain, we all can relate to. Um, I personally relate to it in the fact that I, I have a form of dyslexia. And um, I'm wired a certain way. And I'm, I'm fascinated about it. And along with what Jill's doing... I mean, I only wish at the time I was growing up they knew about dyslexia the way they know about it now. And because I, I grew up where um, I was penalized because of uh, the way I would learn or the way I was trying to understand. And so any way we can help people not feel what I had to go through in terms of feeling uh, uh, stupid or – or, or doubt myself, uh, all the better. So I, I love brain education. I love that part. In fact, education is a big part of my art, as well as the we. We has always been my 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 passion. Mm -hmm. And uh, having big projects just invite more people. <laughs> <laughs> How much is your foundation going to benefit just research into the brain, and also say even into you know stroke prevention? sorts of things. Well, I think that from uh, that perspective, um, educational in particular, there would definitely be stroke awareness and s things about stroke. But stroke actually was not my area of expertise. I just happened to have one and then instantly became an expert on how to recover from one because I recovered. Um, I think that, that the biggest impact that this will have on research, because I don't want to use the funds specifically for funding research because that costs a whole lot of money. I would rather put the money into the kids who are going to grow up to go into medical school, to go into research, to help get them excited about this organ. Um, even without the, the, the funds from the not-for-profit, uh, I receive literally dozens of messages from kids who over the last 10 years have been in influenced by uh, my taking the brain into an elementary school or into a, a high school or into a college. And these children or these kids and, you know, all, of all ages getting excited about this organ. So I think that that's how it's mostly going to happen. I think it's going to be the, uh, the, the long-term impact. But at the same time, I care deeply about the teenage brain and educating about the teenage brain. So there's going to be a lot going on about that. At the same time, I care deeply about the autistic population. How do we actually communicate with these individuals? Uh, how do we communicate with the Alzheimer and the dementia population? And, and I think that, that the awareness of everybody's got a different brain. And how do I communicate with you? I have to go to where you're at in your level in order to be able to do that. But in order to do that, I really have to be willing to step out of my own stuff and my own mind and my own way of being and my own way of communicating in order to figure out how to do it with you. So I think, I think it's going to be kind of a permeating uh, impact on the bigger picture of how it's already done. I think that's one point I wanted to follow up on. You've talked before about how everybody's brain is different. And it's like you don't the way you see it, not, no brain is better or worse than right. another brain. They're just all different. Right. And, and did, did that sort of belief and thought start with your work because of your brother and his schizophrenia? I, I think that belief really happened when I had the stroke. Okay. I think up to that point, I was more judgmental. Uh, I was more about right and wrong and good and bad, which is what the left hemisphere is very good about. Um, but I think that when I lost my own left hemisphere, I was still a completely conscious human being. I didn't have language, so I couldn't speak to you. As soon as I can't speak to you and you ask me a question and I can't answer you, the left brain makes the decision that I'm stupid and that I'm now incompetent or I'm now less than. And I was real clear that in the absence of that left brain, it was my left brain character and personality where my personal uh, emotional baggage had been, and that's where my pain was. So I was now in the present moment experience of joy and love, and you're in a space of judgment and negativity, and I'm feeling compassion for you because I'm a lot happier than you. 
you are, <laughs> you know, in the absence of that. And so then the question is, how can I regain those skill sets and all those beautiful things, functions of the left brain, but not take on the pain and the character that I had before? Mm-hmm. So for me, I think that was one of the greatest gifts I was given with the stroke. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to do that? I mean, you said you've you've fully recovered, so have you gotten back that baggage? No, I haven't gotten back the baggage. However, the circuitry is still there. When, when, For example, I can experience anger, but I'm so clear now that anger is a circuit in my brain that I developed when I was an infant. And so the question is, what what external forces have the ability to trigger that circuit for me to experience anger? And yet, if it ever happens, it rarely happens, but if it does happen, and I'm so clear that I'm running a circuit that it's just so exciting because, oh, my gosh, I'm capable of anger, you know, and I'm capable of anger because of this beautiful organ. The same thing's true for grief or for, for joy, any of it. It's just circuitry. And then we get to pick and choose what, what, where are we, which circuitry are we choosing to run more often. And the more you energy you put into that circuit, the more it starts to run automatically. And so it's just this kind of awareness. Oh, my gosh, I do have some say over what's going on in inside of my brain. Mm-hmm. But Jill, you know, n- not many people can step outside themselves and look at themselves to observe circuitry. I don't I disagree. You do. I yeah, people contact me all the time who have said, "Oh my god, I read your book and it changed my life." Because now all of a sudden I realize I don't have to run that circuit. I don't have to, and so now I'm observing. Well, I guess what I'm saying engaging. is that most people get into the emotion. Right. And hard to step out of that emotion. I didn't say it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say, never said it was easy. Yeah, I mean, how does how does that sort of um, coexist with the whole idea of you know impulsive behavior and and a compulsion to do something? I mean, do you have those kind of you know, do you have are you are you impulsive? Am I impulsive? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Joe, do you think I'm impulsive? I think you're intuitive. I'm intuitive. <laughs> Which and sometimes gets confusing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I impulsive? Yeah. I know my mother's listening. Mom, <laughs> call in and tell me what you think. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm thinking, I don't think so because, because again, I mean, I'm ang- aware. Yeah. I mean, anger is yeah. kind of an impulse. Right. You know, somebody kind of right. goes from zero to 60, they right. get angry. Exactly. And then, and, you know, you're yeah. talking about being able to sort of control right. that. So. Right. Well, I think part of that, though, is if I'm running, going from zero to 60 like that on anger every day or mm-hmm. five times a day or five times a week or whenever, and, uh, then I'm going to be more inclined to run that impulsively than if I don't. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think I spend a lot of time racing after those, Im- those impulses. Now, other impulses, like limestone, I have now become a <laughs> fanatic about limestone. Mm-hmm. And so I do become kind of fanatic. Have you done a brain? A uh, brain? I'm in the Are process of one. I, I did the, the limestone symposium, oh, actually. You did? Uh-huh. And, they, and, we, and I've got half a brain going. <laughs> left, left or right? It's both. It's okay. the top version, okay. top, top view. Yeah, it's very exciting. Uh-huh. Yeah. When you were talking about circuitry, I can't help but ask this because I have an expert in front of me. My grandma had a, had a stroke, and mm-hmm. she can sing any sort of lullaby to, to my infant, but she cannot talk to him. Right. So is that just different circuits circuitry. that are turned on and off? It's different circuitry. The circuitry that we use for singing, I mean, I do a lot of singer-songwriting stuff, so I write my own songs, but I have to sing you the lyrics, even though I wrote them. I cannot sit here and recite them to you because it's a different circuitry. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. you know, one of your earlier uh, web pages was the singing singing scientist. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. still going by that? Singing oh. for brains. I still sing for brains. I do. I still sing for brains. <laughs> I may. I should sing for brains at the Brain Extravaganza. You should. I, I should do and that. You probably will. I'm going to. I'm going to work that out. I'm going to work that in. All right, we're going to take a short break because we've hit uh, halftime already of our show. Um, Joe Bolte Taylor's here with us today, as is Joe Lamantia. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU with you by downloading our podcast directly to your PC, Mac, or MP3 player. Programs such as Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia. And short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, and Play and Opera Reviews 
are all available on demand. Pick them up at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? The WFIU News Team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Catch the Friday feature just after 8.30 during Morning Edition, just before Noon Edition, and at 5.45 during All Things Considered. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org. Thank you to Mike Pashkash, our engineer, for bringing that uh, Carrie Newcomer song out. And Jill, one of your favorites? I love Carrie. <laughs> I absolutely love Carrie. Yeah. Right, yeah. Brain, Very nice. right brain and left brain. Yep. 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 It's all uh, good. All right. Well, we're, we're back, you're back listening to Noon Edition with Jill Bolte-Taylor and Joe Lamantia. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire, the news director of WTIU and WFIU. If you want to join the program, please phone us at 855-0811. Or toll-free, 877-285-9348. You can join us on the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Uh, when I last saw you speak, you, you know, again, you're, you're a motivational speaker, and you truly are. And you were talking about, you know, what you do first thing in the morning when you get up, and you're talking about, you know, saying hello to everybody. Yeah. Could you sort of tell that story? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wake up in the morning and and it's like, oh, my gosh, the cells that know how to wake me up actually woke me up. And I say, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because, I'm, you know, thanks for another great day. Thanks for waking me up. And and I'm, a, you know, having having lost half of my, my mind, uh, I know some people might question, you know, which do I, yeah. But anyway, when, having lost half of it, in order to gain that function back, I did a lot of, of appreciation and gratitude for what I can't, what I could do, what I did have. And when you celebrate what you do have instead of say, oh my gosh, I can't do this, I can't do that, and increase that level of stress, that level of stress decreases the actual ability of the cells to to do what they're supposed to do and to get healthy. So I, I be, I'm a true advocate for being kind to the cells that you have. And, uh, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody almost pulls out in front of you and you get that big adrenaline rush and it's like, that's the moment you have a choice. And in that moment, I choose to say to myself, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm alive. And that instinct is so quick and my ability to save myself, to rescue my own self. And, and so I talk to my body. I, I say thank you. And uh, so, yeah, first thing in the morning and last thing at night, I put one hand in the other, right hand, uh, left brain, left and, and opposite, right hand to left, both of them anyway. Yeah, what? And, and I say thank you. Thank you for another great day. Because, and then I ask them, I say, please, please bring me health. Because otherwise, for the next eight hours, who knows what they're going to be doing in there. Yeah. And so why not use the power that I have as a voice, as the big mama voice, saying, I want you to bring me health. So I'm a real advocate for them. How many cells are there in your brain? Uh, well, you got about a trillion cells total in your nervous system. Okay. And, and that's a lot of cells. That's, yeah. uh, you know, there are only five, six, five, six billion people on the planet. Yeah. Our, our debt is a little higher than that. <laughs> you know, that was a show. That was a show from last week. I should compare the number two, right? to the, That's a good idea. Yeah, I should do that. Yeah. Right. yeah. We have a phone call. It's uh, <laughs> Kathleen from Terre Haute. Kathleen? Yes. Thank you very much. And... I, too, want to thank you, uh, Jill, for your book. I have given it to my children because I want them to know what to do should I experience a stroke. And I think it's very instructive. I think everyone really should read it to be aware of what happens when a person suffers that kind of uh, infraction. Um, Also, I would like to say... um, I would like to know what your mother would write, because I know she was instrumental in your, in your recovery, and um, I cried when I read the part where she came to Boston Hospital where you were and um, got in bed with you and held you. 
I can understand that as a mother. I certainly can understand it. Nice. I thought she was wonderful, and I know you think she is, too. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to know what she would write if she's going to write a book. Well, thank you, Kathleen. Um, the it, my and I've talked to this about mom. My mother uh, has been a caregiver three times around. Uh, she was a caregiver first for her own mother as she was aging. Uh, she's been a caregiver for my brother with his long-term schizophrenia, and then she was a caregiver for me. So she really was very well trained by the time I needed her to be a caregiver. And uh, we've talked about her writing a book because she really does know. About about uh, compassionate caregiving and um, on how to look at situations and how to uh, promote wellness in those that you're giving care to. So I do think that would be her subject. Yes, so, so thanks for encouraging her. Mama, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> We've been she twisting did. her arm for a couple of years now. She's in well, Terre Haute, right? I, she's in Terre Haute, yeah. I, I think it's an amazing uh, coincidence or fate or whatever it has been that with your knowledge, you're the one who suffered this infraction in your head, and your wonderful uh, addressing of calling things to your own attention and giving bad thoughts about 90 seconds, mm. if you say, I think that's a great idea because those tapes run so automatically. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen. All right. Thanks, Kathleen. 855-0811-877-285-9348 and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. When you're talking about going into schools and then just the motivational, inspirational speaking you do now, how has that changed, if we can look at that, compared to how you lived your life prior to having this stroke? What were you doing on a day-to-day basis? Mm prior to that compared to how you're living your life now? Oh, the world's apart. Uh, you know, I was on the, the climbing the Harvard ladder, doing research uh, every day during the, the week. And then on the weekends, I would travel the country as the singing scientist and, because there was a shortage of brain tissue for me to actually do the work in the lab because there's a shortage of, of t- tissue donated by the normal population as well as those with a psychiatric illness. And, and I needed that tissue in the lab. So I was, uh, I was full steam ahead seven days a week doing that and now um, and now I'm full steam ahead but my my intention and my energetic is is very different now it's about now I'm out with people people say do you miss research and it's like yeah and I'm engaging in some research I'm working on a uh, the creation of a video game for neurological rehabilitation um, but at the same time I'll probably never be in a lab underneath a microscope where my friends are the cells I've become much more gregarious as a product of of this stroke. I'm very friendly. Now, people would tell I, my friends say, you know, everybody says, well, what's, how are you different now? And, and people tell me I'm friendlier now because I have time now. Before it was just business, 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 work, work, work. What do I have to do in order to get where I'm going? And, uh, and the stroke really whacked me out of that. Uh, way of looking at my life, and and now I'm I'm living I'm living a much more richer, um, emotionally connected. I'm better connected to people. Um, I, I really prefer this life better. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. All right. We've had a, a question. Another question was uh, phoned in. Uh, I have a question about schizophrenia. Is it true that it's on the autism spectrum along with bipolar disorder? The, the, each of those is very different. The autism uh, spectrum is a spectrum of, of a variety of different issues going on to, at different levels, uh, which is why it's called a spectrum. Uh, bipolar is a specific um, circuitry inside of our brain where the latest research is showing that there's an actual increase in the volume of connections inside of the brain. And so when someone moves into mania, then there's all these connections happening very, very quickly. When somebody moves into the opposite, which is what bipolar is, it's part mania, part depression, then the circuits are not being triggered and there is a negative affect and no real experience of, of, of excitement about life. Schizophrenia is different in that 
that it is kind of more generalized circuitry inside of the brain, and it's going to result in hallucination and delusion. So with hallucination, people either smell things or they see things or they hear things that the rest of us do not hear, but they cannot distinguish that that is not real. And the brain doesn't know the difference. Um, or they, And in addition to the hallucination, they have a delusional thinking system where they may believe that they are Michael the White Horseman or they, they are Jesus Christ or they are um, being pursued uh, and there's a, a level of paranoia involved. So, so each of the mental illnesses is very different uh, at, a, at a circuitry level. How's your brother? Uh, I think my brother's doing really well. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you see him often? I see him regularly, and uh-huh. um, uh, you know he's taking his meds, and when he's taking his meds, um, uh, we get along better. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put well, it in like that. Your brother and sister, yeah. Yeah, I know. It's a, it's a sibling thing anyway. Right. Yeah, but right now he's doing very well. Thank you. Okay. How does your family respond to how your life has changed now? Well, I think they like it because, for one, I'm not in Boston anymore. I'm back in Indiana. Um, my, my dad is also here locally. So, um, so you know, I, I, th- I think it's good. I think it's nice. Uh, we've got a nice network of a family. When my brother was first diagnosed with schizophrenia, many families, they either fall apart or they cling together. And, and we clung together. And so we are on this ride of having interesting brains in our family uh, together. And so it, it's been a positive thing. And, and I have to say that, you know, there's no question in my mind that everything I do, everything that I do has everything to do with my brother and, and this illness that, that his brain has, has, has to live with. And when I look at him biologically, he's the closest thing to me that exists in the universe. And why is it, why is it I'm, I can attach my dreams to my reality and I can make them come true? Where's the disconnect for him biologically? And so I become completely compassionate to these people who have different wiring and what's going on and how can we help them find their way in life, through life, in a constructive way. Mm-hmm. So how much speaking have you been doing and, and where? I know you've spoken in many countries yeah. and cities. Well, and, let's see. Last year I went to England and Scotland and the Philippines and Hong Kong and Sao Paulo. And that's just to mention the international mm-hmm. travel. And then I do about 20 <coughs> presentations around the states or Canada mm-hmm. uh, every year. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty much all over the place. Well, the book's coming out in uh, 30 languages now. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, the book's everywhere and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. There's this bit of, you know, I think it's fair to say celebrity attached to you now. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how do yeah. you adjust to that? I've, you know, been watching your presentations and listening to your interviews. And yeah. I don't, I guess at first I was sort of thinking it was a bit of acting to it, but it's, just no. seems like it's your personality. <laughs> it's, it's really who I am, and and you know, it's fortunately I'm very friendly. So I, you know, um, I've been approached by people in Paris, by people in Cancun, by people in Scotland. I mean, it's the voice; they recognize the voice, and then it's like, oh, I know that voice, and then they look at that face, and it's like, where do I know that face? It was the TED Talk. The TED Talk went everywhere, and then Oprah uh, has gone everywhere, and um, uh, and then she re-aired me on her final show. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's, it's, and it's interesting for me because, you know, I'm just little Jill. I'm just, you know, a little Jill girl from Indiana. And so uh, my perception of myself has not changed, but the perception of those around me has changed. And, and they have a different perception because all they know is the TED Talk or the Oprah stuff. Um, so, so, you know, people say, how do you stay so grounded? And it's like, well, I have mental illness in my family and I go home. And when I go home, I have responsibility to doing what I need to do in order to help my own family unit and as the president of the local NAMI to be able to help families in crisis in our community. So, so yeah, it's kind of fun. I have to say it's kind of fun. He didn't think she was going to be demanding M and M's to be in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> Only certain colors. Bring my daughter. Well, yeah. Joe, I want to bring you back in to talk about the the art project, yeah. and you know how how can you describe a little bit more about how it's going to occur and what your role is going to be. Um. Was that to me or him? Did Joe? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but you can answer. I'll if take you a want. drink. You go ahead. <laughs> Jill, Joe. Sometimes it. Yeah. Me. Um. I've been thinking about this because there's a lot of ways of going about making a prototype. Um, Luckily or fortunately, uh, 
being at Stonebelt, we'll have um, the, uh, not only the facility but the equipment to help us put this together. Uh, a lot of space to move back and forth. Um, it, it'll be challenging because it's going to be um, pretty accurate. Um, we're going to be working with uh, wood and styrofoam and plaster and chicken wire. And, um, it's it's going to be a very interesting process. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I've um, When I first met Jill just before the TED Talk, um, she had asked me if I would photograph um, her um, stained glass or show her how to do it. And so I went over one afternoon, and we spent some time, and I photographed it for her and showed her how to do it and stuff. And, and um, so I've worked with her before, and over the years I've worked, and it's been great at um, I, I'm glad I've known her before, Ted, <laughs> and, uh, and actually just a little before the book because um, I could – I mean, it, being a friend of hers and seeing her just explode has been quite a trip because mm-hmm. I'll say, I know Jill Bolte-Taylor. And, and it's just like – it sounds funny, but but I do, but it – it 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 is it's it's kind of like, it's not being Jill, but it's kind of being like Jill somehow in a way, and and it it does it's it's still there. But I'm I'm trying to um, I think that working together on this as an art project, this is really the first time we're doing it mm-hmm. together. And uh, I uh, actually we did one other project together when you did the the brain for Ying Yang, and she came in with with Cat and worked on it, and that was really great. Um, we worked at Stone Belt again, and she uh, we had a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. I just expect we're going to have so, a lot of fun. So uh, is your role going to be with the prototype, and then the other artists will get mm-hmm. the prototype, and then mm-hmm. they will be on their own, or the other people will be on their own to develop what they want to develop? Well, yes. Uh, the other thing that we've been talking about is the fact that there will probably be some artists out there that won't have space to um, work in. And I talked with Stonebelt, and the, I hope I'm not – Leslie, I hope this is right. But um, She's a listener. She'll call a, us. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> that we were going to use Stonebelt um, to be a center for working on these projects uh, so that people who uh, want to do it and don't have space can come to Stonebelt, and we'd have some space for them to work. And I would be there also to help guide them if they needed um, some help. Um, and so it's, uh, we're, I'm really excited about that. And that came out of also looking into the Kazan parade and how they operated and how they worked. And so, um, I think my role will be a facilitator as well as I, I've just found out now I'll be working with, uh, with Stonebelt, with, uh, W, uh, WTI is doing a brain. Right. And so, um, <laughs> that's exciting because I, I really like working with Stonebelt and, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What's, J- Joe, what's the timeline on, on this project? Well, we're looking at uh, – Joe and I are going to work on the prototype. Hopefully that will be done September. We'll give the prototype to the person who's going to make the mold and start popping out these enormous <coughs> brains. Um, that should happen in November, October, November, December. Uh, then we will give to the artists in January. We have to do a call for artists, so any artists out there, if you're interested, um, contact me. Um, can I get my email? Sure. Dr. Jill at drjilltaylor.com. Mm-hmm. That's D-R-J-I-L-L. Dr. Jill at drjilltaylor.com. Because we're going to be um, have a packet of you know the rules and regulations and what we want, what we're looking for, and we're going to ask you to submit some ideas of what you're thinking. Uh, and then my advisory board will go through these and um, – uh, we'll pick out uh, what, what we would like to see. So you better do a good one, Joe. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, uh, and then, and then we'll uh, the artists will have the brains from January, February, March. We'll get them back in April. We want to have the brains mounted on display from uh, May through September. At the end of that, at the end of this whole thing, the brains will go. We'll have some kind of a, of a brains extravaganza gala, and we'll auction these. 
And right now, the movie's slated to be at the end of 2012. So if we can work in conjunction with that, then we'd probably do the gala then. Otherwise, we may push that off a little while because there may be other people out in the world who, once they find out about this, might actually want to bid on one of these brains. So um, I'm, of course, wanting to have one as a weather vane on top of my home. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> well, that, that'd be a pretty large weather vane. <laughs> hey, it really not? would. Now, Joe, you, know. you said how big they are before, and I've sort of forgotten. Five by five? Five by, by four. Five by five. five. So five tall. Yes. Five wide. Long. Long. And four wide. And four, and wide. four wide. Just like the brain. kind of narrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, but, that's a big brain. That's a big, brain. a big brain. But, you yeah. know, the other piece of this, then, is while, when the, while the brains are on display... Um, the extravaganza part is really inviting different organizations and anybody throughout the community who want to participate. And so we may have – and we're in conversation about what this might look like with the city. And we haven't gotten there because we had to get here first. But it looks like we're going to get there. So, But the idea is – and it's really been – because you asked me earlier, what's the response been? I've had wonderful organizations on the aging brain or dealing with dementia or dealing with teenagers or dealing with the early development – um, different groups of people who care about education, about different populations coming to and essentially having like an educational brain fair in relationship to the tour that could happen uh, downtown. So we really want this to be a community collaborative effort. Bring whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're you're interested in, and and put it on here. And, and we're also working with, we have a class at IU, which is focusing on the extra as a project in, in, in what they're doing in order to design. So um, uh, the course goal will be to provide practical experience and content information on fitness, so movement and the brain, trends and mind-body practices in order to integrate movement experiences into a community event. So we have a class at IU that is brainstorming on what can we do along the trail in order to have this be something that is healthy for us. So, so the the doors are wide open. You know, this is uh, this is just about anything goes, and just about anything. You mm-hmm. heard that just about. And uh, <laughs> but uh, I, it's that's the excitement of it. It's not just we're going to have a bunch of brains on display downtown. It's we get to come together as a community and network about what we care about and really um, uh, embrace one another and around this about around this this organ. Now you mentioned. You mentioned this before, that a teenager's brain is different. And so I'm going to have to ask this question Mm. on behalf of Mary Catherine, who Mm. has a young teenager Uh or budding teenager, and Uh on behalf of Sarah, who's Uh going to have one in 12 years. Uh Um, But how is a a teenage brain different? What Uh are the characteristics that make a teenager a teenager? Well, right before, about two years before puberty hits, this is pre-puberty, during this period of time, there's what they call an exuberance of the dendritic connections in the brain. So all of the neurons start sprouting all these different connections and all these synapses start happening. And so my awareness and my focus is no longer limited to what it used to be. And now I'm starting to make associations that I didn't make before. And then with puberty and the hormonal shift that comes with full-blown puberty, there is a pruning back of literally 50% of the connections in the cerebral cortex of the brain. So our little lovely children actually really do lose half their minds. (laughs) They do. And so that's why all of a sudden you're sitting across from them at at the breakfast table going, I knew you yesterday. Who's this? You know, and it feels like an alien just landed inside of your child. Now, the important thing here is what does that feel like? Imagine what it would feel like to suddenly lose half of the information inside of your brain. I'm not interested in this anymore. I'm not interested in that anymore. And this is biologically what the body does because for the first 12 years of our lives, it's all about me. I'm born into the world. I learn how to crawl. I learn how to walk. I learn how to talk. I become social. I learn a little geography and a little mathematics, but it's really all about me. And then at puberty, the body says, but it's time for you to reproduce. And the body, t- I know, I know, we don't want our children reproducing. But from a biological, this is what they're, the message that they're getting. And so if I'm going to reproduce, it can't be about me anymore. I have to get my mind out of all the things that really interest me. And all of a sudden, Bob, you're looking really cute. <laughs> you know? And so, well, I always, nice. you're welcome. so I always tell, I always tell students and kids who are going through this or going to go through this, this is normal biology. So, and, and this is what it's going to feel like inside of your body. 
whatever you want to be able to do, this is really critical seed planting time. This is a wonderful opportunity. Whatever you want to be when you're in your 20s and 30s and 50s and 80s, you need to do during your teenage years because that's going to be the circuitry that stays solid throughout the puberty years, and then you have it down the road. So if you sang when you were little and you sang when you were a teenager, then you can probably sing better and more easily when you're an adult. Same thing for sports. If you want to do athletics your whole life, do them during your teenage years, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably. I know. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I wish know. somebody had been there to tell me that when I, I was going. Yeah, right. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, the thing is, they want the truth. They want to know what do we know. They want to know what is real. And, and it's my personal motto when I'm talking to kids or when I'm talking to their parents, keep them alive to 25. Mm -hmm. Keep them alive to 25. To the kids, if you keep your brain cells alive to 25, then at 25, do whatever you want to do. You know, you're going to be making better decisions at that point. You're going to value what's inside of your head better because you're going to be looking at your peers who didn't value and your cognition is going to be quicker and you're going to be probably more productive because you waited until age 25 to make those decisions. And as far as the kids are concerned, it's like keep them alive to 25. (laughs) And then the parents keep Keep your kids alive to 25. Can and I just ask one quick okay. thing? Yeah. Just about, we're talking about this big brain extravaganza. Yeah. Are we going to have a movie premiere here in Bloomington? Well, I don't know how those things work, but I certainly hope so. Yeah? I can't imagine that we won't. That's, I what, mean, that's what Jodie Foster will yeah. be. That's when well, you're bringing jo- everybody in? Jodie actually told me that if, if she is the one who has chosen to play me, then she will come here for a week or two and just essentially shadow me everywhere. All right. So we'll just have to make sure I have a sched- you're on my schedule okay. for that. <laughs> and then I'll just say, Jodie, it just so happens you're, it was on the schedule. We're looking forward to that. I, I mean, it's too. been great to have Joe here, but Joe, you know, Jodie Foster comes next. <laughs> Sorry. We'll forget, we'll forget who okay. Joe Lamantia was. Well, be, no. we've well talk, there will be we've, big brains everywhere. We've talked about this, and, and a number of us want to uh, have dinner with her, and yeah. so we'll have a chance to. Yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time. And of course, it's been a lovely conversation as usual. Jill, thanks for being here. You're Jill Bolte Taylor. Thank and you. Joe Lamantia, thanks Thank for you. joining us today. The uh, project. Um, the Big Brain Extravaganza and Brains on Parade. So you'll be reading more about it in the Herald Times, hearing more about it on WFIU, seeing more about it on WTIU. So for uh, Sarah Whitmire and producer Rachel Lyon, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.